Hey, what's up, guys? It's Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thank you so much, as always, for checking out this week's radio show in podcast form. We appreciate that. And as always, do us a huge favor. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, and then send me a screenshot of your review to Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com, and I will get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. I'll do it. I'll put it in the mail for you. We're running low on them, so do it fast. We appreciate it, and enjoy the show. Well, we keep it rolling on Heartland College Sports Weekly, and let's welcome in somebody that I know a lot of you read all the time. I read her all the time, and that is Jenny Carlson of the Oklahoman. We appreciate her hopping on here for a few minutes. Well, Jenny, let's start with the Cowboys, then we'll get into some more big picture Big 12 stuff. Uh, with the Cowboys mm-hmm. this season, it just felt like a weird year. One games they weren't supposed to win, they were in games they weren't supposed to be in, and then they lost games they weren't supposed to lose, notably Kansas State, let's say, or Baylor, or whatever you want to point to. How would you kind of wrap up what was, in many ways, a bizarre season for Mike Gundy and the Pokes? Yeah, it was confounding. I mean, it was really, really hard to, to gauge. You know, they might have been the most difficult team to peg this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, had a really nice uh, non-conference win against Boise State at home, a game that I think a lot of people felt like was going to be sort of a harbinger for what was to come because Boise State was playing pretty well. They had a really good quarterback in Brett Rippon, and, you know, Oklahoma State's defense hadn't been tested until Boise State came to town, and then Oklahoma State just rolled them. I mean, they they performed well sides of the ball, and you felt like, well, maybe this team is going to be a a team that – you know, maybe they're not at the top of the Big 12, but maybe they're in that next batch of teams that, you know, is going to, you know, make life difficult on the teams at the top and, you know, is going to be right in the mix to get to eight or nine wins and never. And, I mean, I think that was the biggest thing. Um, I even remember telling somebody uh, going into the K-State game that consistency was the biggest thing that was lacking um, and that you kind of felt like that game might be where we saw them figure out who they were going to be and after that game you just said well they're not going to be a team that wins many more games but then after that here they came beat texas beat uh west virginia almost beat oklahoma it was just a really weird year you just never sort of got a sense of who is this team really they could be really good at times and really bad at others it was really bizarre to witness uh and be around that team as they really struggled to find a you know a, a middle point, and I, they really never did, I, even yeah. to the end. Yeah, Jenny, and you know, think about some of the off-field stuff. Mike Gundy kind of uh, having a quasi, I don't know, fight scuffle with you guys when it came to players transferring and whatnot. Um, you know, and then also you had the Spencer Sanders angle of this, right? I mean, everyone expected that we'd see Spencer Sanders at some point, especially maybe at the end of the year. It never happened. Did it feel to you as someone that was covering this team day in, day out? That, and I know Gundy's always been like this. He's always been a contrarian. But it, did it feel like he was, I don't know, maybe enjoying this contrarian role more than usual this season? Yeah, you know, it was. It definitely had some, as I mentioned, it was weird on the field, and it was kind of equally weird off the field. Um, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there was definitely 
um, some oddities in the way that the, the quarterback situation was handled. Obviously, this new redshirt rule mm-hmm. uh, at Oklahoma State, you had obviously the true Spencer Sanders and then also a grad transfer in Drew Brown, who also had a redshirt available to him, which you don't often have many grad transfers that have that situation. So there was this sense that even if Taylor Cornelius continues to be the starter, that we might see one or both of those guys in some spot duty, maybe some situational things. And that never happened. We never saw either of those guys. And, uh, you know, Taylor Cornelius definitely had his moments where he was good. Um, You know, I thought he was fantastic, uh, you know, against West Virginia. He was really good against Oklahoma for the most part. Obviously, that two-point conversion throw is one probably he'd want to have back most this season. But, you know, he also had some struggles. And you just kind of thought there might come a point where, uh, you know, they felt like Taylor was – comfortable enough in his status as a starter that they might still try to get those other guys some work because they weren't going to they wouldn't blow their whole season of eligibility and that didn't happen so I don't know if it got to the point where maybe there was a thought that well if you play one does the other one that the, could potentially redshirt does he get a little saucy that he didn't get out there and I don't know what all was at play there, but it is interesting that that the quarterback situation was handled that way, uh, and we didn't get to see either of those guys. What does that mean long term? I don't really know. I mean, I I don't know if uh, you know if it is a good thing, a bad thing. I mean, you kind of like to get guys experience where you can, and now they're going to have a quarterback out there uh, next year who's not taking any snaps in this system. Uh, or at least we don't think, you know, they're going to have a guy. I guess they still got a bowl game to prove me wrong, and maybe mm-hmm. Mike Gundy will. But, uh, you know, that that's an interesting uh, dynamic that they're going to have, you know, some uh, some guys back, uh, you know, on the offense, whether you're talking about Chuba Hubbard at running back, uh, you know, uh, talking about receivers that are well-known, Tylen Wallace, Tyron Johnson, uh, you know, some offensive linemen coming back, but they're going to have a, a brand-new quarterback back there. It's going to make for an interesting uh, turn when I think some people would have liked to have seen those guys at least get a little bit of work uh, this season as uh, as backups to uh, to Taylor Cornelius. Jenny Carlson of the Oklahomans joining us here in Heartland College Sports Weekly. I'm Pete Mundo. So, uh, Jenny, I feel like we have to kind of ask this every offseason with Mike Gundy and, uh, and Oklahoma State. How's this relationship now between Mike Gundy and you know, and the university and, and T Boone and Mike Holder and all these guys? How is that you know in 2018? I know that can change with the blow of the wind, but how is it right now? <laughs> yeah, right now it's been pretty quiet. You know, I it, it is going to be interesting um, as they get into the off season. Um, you know, I don't foresee. Uh, Mike Gundy going anywhere, but, you know, there's been times in the past when he's played footsie with other teams and, you know, how how serious those overtures were from other teams that, you know, it's been sort of I, probably all over the board from super serious to not so much. So, I, you know, I don't know. The coaching carousel is kind of quieted at this point, mm-hmm. um, and he hasn't really been linked to anything. So I think that probably bodes well for the relationship. I think that um, some people have been frustrated by him continuing to – you know, show interest in other jobs because they've they paid him pretty well and, and they've shown that they want him around and then he does stuff like that. And I think some people feel like it's a little disingenuous. But I think the relationship is decent right now. Um, you know, they, there was a, a rift uh, about a year and a half ago, or, or at least it seemed so, with uh, Boone Pickens. And by all accounts, uh, that has 
smoothed over to a degree. Boone's health has been not great, so he hasn't maybe been as involved uh, as uh, previous times. But, uh, yeah, I think the relationship is, is decent at this point. And, you know, it, it will it will be interesting if, uh, if Mike Gundy um, has to replace Mike Yersich's offensive coordinator, a guy that's been linked to some other jobs, including Tennessee and their offensive coordinator spot. You know, if that happens, uh, you know, and, and, you know, who he gets and, and how that all goes, it, it could be interesting, you know, does that impact anything? But at least at this point, it, it's fairly quiet on that front, which means that we're probably about to have something blow up in our face. <laughs> so uh, ask me in a week or two uh, how things are going, and I may have a whole different story. Oh, that's funny. Jenny Carlson, Oklahoma, is <laughs> joining us. Uh, Jenny, Big, tw- Big 12, let's look at the picture as a whole here. I, I thought overall um, – a good year for the conference. I mean, I know it's OU again, but you talk about a team that having a team in the college football playoff uh, three of the past four years. Texas looks like it's back, something we've been questioning for going on a decade now, whether or not that's true. I'd say they're back. Uh, when you look at the Big 12 and its health as a whole, how would you compare it to where it's been in, in recent years, let's say since realignment and in the college football playoff era? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably as good as it's been, uh, you know, in that time period. I think it's in part because of those things you mentioned in the Big 12. Uh, You continue to have uh, a strong, you know, top team that's in the playoff and is, or at least in the conversation. Even when OU hasn't made the playoff, they've been in the conversation for that spot. So that continues to make uh, the Big 12 strong. Again, Texas return, uh, just being in the Big 12, you know, title game. That really, to me, even if they're not, you know, back to, say, uh, you know, times of contending for the national championship, to have Texas strong is good for everybody in the Big 12. They're such a brand. Big 12 was really built around the brand of Texas and the brand of Oklahoma. So to have them strong is, is good, even if people don't like to admit it at the other nine schools around the conference. And then I think you have to say that the Big 12 continuing to, to be pretty strong and, and see Texas you know, surging a little bit. They're also helped by the fact that ACC, while Clemson is in the playoff, the overall strength of the ACC is down a lot. You don't have uh, really anybody else that's any good in the ACC after Clemson. The Pac-12 has taken a turn towards the down uh, side of things. They don't. They didn't have anybody in the conversation for the playoff, uh, you know, really at all this season. Um, the Big Ten, they're out of the playoff again this year. You know, I think there's some some uh, some things going on around the country that have have bolstered the Big 12 and and made them even better. They've done some of that internally, but some of it is stuff that doesn't relate to them, just making, you know, the overall conference look better. I think it's a little bit like what Oklahoma State has done overall in the last few years. You know, they they have gotten better as a program internally, but they were also helped by the fact that Texas wasn't as good. They were helped by the fact that Texas Tech took a downturn, Baylor took a downturn. You know, some of these programs that had been good weren't maybe as good for a while and allowed them to to establish themselves, and I think that's a little bit of what's happening with the Big 12. And if they can continue to, to be strong, uh, you know, have a, a playoff team, 
uh, or someone in the conversation on a regular basis, I think that will continue to help the conference's chances. And, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is probably, for the Big 12, about as good a footing as they've had since we saw realignment, since we saw the playoffs start. And, and that's a really positive thing for uh, for the 10 teams in the conference. Yeah, no doubt about it. Jenny Carlson is our guest. Uh, Jenny, you know, looking at this, this past season, Coach of the Year, ended up, you know, I would have gone a lot of different directions. I understand why the conference went the way it did. Uh, you could have gone a lot of ways. They went Matt Campbell uh, when, and Lincoln Riley. When you look at it, was there one guy that you pegged as the coach of the year in the Big 12 that maybe didn't make it, or were you okay with the selections? Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I think Iowa State continuing to, to be good is, is probably reason that, you know, you give a, a strong consideration to Matt Campbell. Um, you know, I I, I – I think it, it, it's probably good for the conference that, you know, Matt Rule continues to gain a little more traction mm-hmm. uh, at Baylor. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he was necessarily in that coach of the year conversation, but, you know, it, anytime you can have more programs in that mix of, you know, sort of near the you know, middle or, uh, you know, upper, upper half, I think that's good, even if they land, you know, maybe in the lower half, if they're at least in the mix. And, you know, Baylor has definitely gotten some of its footing again. So I think that was good. You know, I, West Virginia was a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, Oklahoma State, maybe not the year they were looking to have, even after they lost so many guys. Uh, clearly change of coaching in a lot of different places. You know, where this is going to be a, a fairly uh, different-looking uh, conference in terms of coaches after this year, uh, seeing Kansas, Kansas State, Texas Tech uh, all have coaching change. And, you know, who knows? I don't think Lincoln Riley's going to go anywhere, but he's the, he's the type of commodity, obviously, the NFL is interested in, um, you know, because of the offense and, and his, uh, his youth and, uh, you know, just all the things that he brings to the table. I think it would have to be the right job. I don't think he's just going to the NFL to go. Mm-hmm. I think talk of the Browns is probably foolhardy because I think he's frankly got a better job in Norman, Oklahoma than he would in Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's another guy that, uh, you know, could potentially be a change. We'll see. I, again, I don't think it'll happen, but uh, it's definitely going to be a different-looking, uh, you know, coaching fraternity in Big 12 football which I knew we'd have some change, but I don't know if I even thought it would be quite as substantial as it, uh, as it is going to end up being from uh, 18 to 19. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Jenny, you know, a lot of talk before the Big 12 championship game was implemented on whether or not this is going to be good for the conference. People said, hey, you already got a true round robin. You have a true champion. Why are you playing this game? Uh, it seemed to me that you wanted to have the hype surrounding a championship game on championship Saturday. We saw how that hurt TCU and Baylor a few years ago. And everyone said the doomsday scenario of an undefeated team going in, losing the championship game. But you can make a great case, Jenny, through two years of this thing, uh, this year especially, OU might not get into this playoff without that championship game. Where did you stand before they implemented it compared to where you are right now in this? My feeling is is you have to you have to do what is being done around you. Back when the Big 12 started the the uh, title game, they were kind of on an island. It was a while before the other major conferences decided to implement a, a title game and I thought in that instance it it really did kind of put the Big 12 at a potential disadvantage because you're throwing your teams out there for an extra game that, you know, may not go the way you want it to go and then I mean 
if it if it's money you're after, well then you go ahead and have the game and and you know go ahead and run the risk of not making uh, getting your team into the, to uh, to a championship game. But you know now that uh, everybody else was doing the conference championship games for the Big Twelve, not to seem like a much bigger risk. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean sure there's a chance that a team would lose, but I think you're exactly right. I mean at Oklahoma been declared the champion and not had a title game. I'm not sure that they get into the playoff. I mean, look at what they did. They 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 beat the one team that they'd lost to. They got another quality win because Texas was top 15 team at the time. And, you know, they got to be on that stage in a game that really mattered the same day that everybody else did. So I think it was definitely to their benefit this year. And, yeah, there may be years where it's not uh, to the to the benefit of the Big 12, but I think you're way more likely to have it go the other way, uh, especially with all these other conferences playing that 13th game. I, I just think you got to have it if you're the Big 12. I think you got to risk it uh, if, that, if that's considered the risk. I think you got to do that uh, as long as the other conferences are doing the same. She's Jenny Carlson of the Oklahoman. Does great work there, and uh, Jenny, really appreciate a few minutes and look forward to talking again soon. All right, thanks. Appreciate it. Always good to chat with Jenny Carlson of the Oklahoman. Great insight out of her. And once again, to get that free koozie, rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Send me a screenshot of your review to Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com.